Hello, and my name is Peter Rushma, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners and professionals just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we're here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, frank and raw conversations. joined in today's episode by Anik Zubair. One absolute legend this guy is. He's based in Peterborough too and absolutely fascinating career he's had. He's worked as a consultant in the financial services sector before setting his setting up his e-commerce business which is Car Cologne and they provide premium quality car air fresheners. So listen in, he shares some amazing insights from all of his experience. I really appreciate him coming on the show. What an awesome, awesome guest. I hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of Half Dozen Things Podcast. I'm really buzzing to be joined by Anique Zubair from Car Cologne and he's another Peterborough lad who's absolutely smashing it on the automotive scene and I'm dead pleased to have him on. So Anique, welcome. I'm really pleased to have you. Thank you for coming. Pete, thank you for having me, mate. Uh, appreciate the invite. I don't think um, I'm... Uh on par with some of the other guests that you've had here, especially the local boys like Rob and uh, whatnot, but I appreciate being here and, and thank you for the opportunity, mate. Oh, mate I appreciate it, I appreciate it. I, um, so I, I picked up a, a, on the Peterborough Telegraph a little while ago that uh, there was a nice article about this this young guy, he's taken a unit in Yaxley, which is like local to Peterborough, that he's taken this industrial unit for his uh, like air freshener business. And I was like, I need to find out a bit more about this guy. And uh, yeah, so here we are. So if you're able, like sort of in your own words, are you able to just sort of tell people a bit about your backstory, like where the business has come from and what you do? Is that okay? Sure, yeah, of course, of course. So the business began in July 2018. At the time I was a financial contractor. I worked in compliance and audit, so that's kind of my, my background. Uh, work for lots of different banks and, and financial ombudsman service and, and these kind of regulatory bodies. Um, so I started it at home to be fair, it was more of uh, a gap in the market that I spotted. So I'm into, I've always had a love for cars and I've always had a love for cologne, like nice nice aftershave, smelling nice, um, so so hence, hence the name car cologne. So I would uh, usually spray like my perfume and aftershave in, in the car when I wanted a nice okay. air freshener. And um, it got to a point where it become like an expensive habit. So I'd go through bottles quite quickly and it was like 50 pounds, 60 pounds, you know, 80 pounds. It can get quite expensive. So I started searching for an air freshener that smelled like perfume aftershave that I can have in the car. And long story short, couldn't find anything. It just didn't exist. So I thought, you know what, there's a gap here in the market that I can utilize. You know, I was already following all the car guys and YouTubers and all the influencers on Instagram because I had a genuine love and passion for, for cars and the, and the car scene. So, um, yeah, I, I, I basically launched launched from home with the help of my little brother. We built the website. Um, we took all the product pictures on our iPhones. It started as like a one product uh, business, if you like, um, from home. And, and we ran it for a year from home. Um, while I was working and commuting and it got obviously a bit too much of the business grew um, after a year I then left the job and we took a small unit up in here in Peterborough mm-hmm. um, six months into having that unit we then took the next door unit for storage mm-hmm. and then about a year or so later after that it be, we got you know, too much for us um, so we had to go into the uh, the warehouse in Fengate so yeah it was crazy growth um, it's hard to manage, but it's one of them things as being a businessman and an entrepreneur, you've just got to go with it, really. You've just got to go with the flow, I guess. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely awesome. And to know that you're actually, your background's been in compliance, that's uh, it's such a big change, I suppose. Did you always know, like, is it, have you always wanted to work for yourself? Yeah, so, so just briefly touching back on contracting. So when you're, when you're a contractor, technically you're self-employed. You're paid a day rate, you go into a business or a bank, 
and they pay you to do a certain amount of work within a certain amount of time. So that for me was always kind of me working for myself anyway. Okay. Um, but prior to that, like my my parents have had businesses in Peterborough and convenience stores and grocery stores. Okay. Um, so from a young age, I've always been. We've always you know had that kind of self-employed business mentality ingrained in me really. And I was running the stores with my parents from. I say 13, 14 years old, really, and awesome. you know, cash and carry runs and all, all that kind of stuff. So love that. Then all of that, yeah, yeah. So, so it was always ingrained in with, uh, with me. Car cologne. I didn't, I didn't plan to, you know, get to a certain age and then become self-employed per se. It just took off at the right time in my life, and yeah. and I, you know, all the signs were there for me to leave my employment, um, and so I, I, I took the plunge, you know. Amazing, amazing. It's good to hear like you had that work ethic because I speak to like I think about like my oldest daughter now. She's she's fifteen and um, hasn't started work yet. But I remember like at thirteen, like at thirteen, I was like washing dishes in a like fish restaurant. So you know, and I was getting paid cash in hand, and I already got that sort of feel for money and knowing like yeah. the value of money and like hard work for money as That's well. Right. And and you've kind of grown up with that, and I think. I think that's so valuable to realise like how how wasteful money can be, but also how hard you can have to work for it, or how hard people have to work to make it make it work for you. And actually, one of your one of your values that we're going to talk about is around um, like outworking and outlearning and what have you. So and balancing working hard and working smart too, because that's all part of it. So your half dozen things that we uh, that we sort of prepped beforehand or had a bit of a speak about was around superior products and making sure that you provide value, mm-hmm. uh, making sure you balance working hard and working smart, like I said, self-belief, outworking and outlearning, which I think is amazing. I can't wait to hear more on that. Uh, having a great team and then making decisions that are good for the business and not for your ego. Like that's going to be so strong to end on that. So um, let's just sort of start the ball rolling a little bit, if it's okay. I'm going to pop and just close that blind whilst you're <laughs> speaking, okay? Because it's like back, back in a way. That's just for, for people listening, just so they understand, like we're in, our, we're in my unit, in our training room. The windows are wide open. We've got the fan on in here um you know there's no air con what have you and it's like 26 degrees so if you can hear like some cars coming and going outside that's just part of us uh, making sure that we're bringing it and sort of keeping it real for people who are listening you know but yeah i'm just going to move that blind you you tell people a bit more about what you mean about superior products and providing value mate sure no worries so i think it's really important to make sure that um the products or service that you provide in this day and age are in some way or another superior or provide a certain level of value. The reason, the reason why I say that is because we're in, a, in an era of technology um, and it's, it's very easy for someone and new players to come into the market. So when you've got a product or, or, or I think a launch of a product or going into a particular market, the nine times out of ten, there's already someone out there who's killing it, or a few people out there who, who are killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people, you know, they use it as an excuse not to get into business and say, oh, well, the market's saturated. I don't think it's for me. I don't think we've got a chance. But if you bring out a product uh, or a service that is genuinely superior or provide genuine value to people, there's enough share there's yeah. a, to go around f- for everyone, uh, if you like. And, and that's what I, I did with Carculum. So I made sure the products were different um, to begin with uh, f- from all the other air fresheners that were out there, especially for cars, um, being perfume and aftershave scented. But the, the main thing was, well, I suppose I got a little bit of lucky. Uh, I got a little bit lucky in the sense that um, the niche didn't really exist. So there wasn't really a market for these kind of high-end premium yeah. air fresheners for cars, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I'd say uh, you know it's, it has been a, an important factor in, in our growth because one we provide the the products that the USP is that they are after perfume and aftershave scented. Two is the longevity of the products. So uh, our basic car diffuser, the first product that we started with at twelve ninety nine, it can last you know three, four, five, six months depending on how it's used. So on average, on average. It's four to six weeks without tell our customers, just to be completely yeah. honest, in a worst case scenario. But a lot of customers get around three months worth of use, whereas any other air freshener you pick up off the shelf in Halfords or whatever, two weeks, three weeks, yeah. absolute most, if you're lucky, if you're yeah. very lucky. But uh, for that reason, you know, 
yeah, the, if you think about it from, from an outsider perspective, and, and so oh, 12, 13 quid for an air freshener, that's a, that's a lot of money, but when you use it and you've got the premium branded product in, our, in the packaging and, 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 uh, and, you, and you get the use out of it, it's what draws people back yeah. and, and, re and repeat business and people keep coming back because they know, okay, it's a little bit of an outlay, but long term, it's much better than a normal, you know, berry or cherry or vanilla Definitely. scented air freshener you can have. Yeah. And some of these fragrances as well, you have to remember, are um, inspired by some of some very expensive aftershave and cologne and perfume. So, you know, our biggest seller, for example, is our Aventos scent, which is inspired by Creed Aventus, a really popular selling fragrance. 100 mil, you know, you're talking 200 pounds or so. Really? Amazing. Yeah, so we, you know, we're selling it in the diffuser for 12.99. You can have the spray for 19.99 as well. So, um, that's awesome. Providing value, you know, uh, is, is very important and having having good products, yeah. I can see, I can see how, how that, that's so important. I think, you know, I've, I've previously, you know, bought the cheap out of the Halfords or out of the garage, you know, the and I, I get so disappointed after a week and they, there's just nothing left at all after even a couple of days. So I think um, the the opportunity to have like a decent, nice smelling uh, car is just incredible. I think the pricing is really good. Have you had to to be able to help develop the products? Have you had to like sort of learn more about fragrances and that sort of thing? Has that been sort of part of your learning journey? Definitely, yeah. Because obviously we began with diffusers as our first product and we did that for around. I'd say about six months, the first four or five months, and then we went into sprays, and then we now we've gone into aerosol cans, um, and we've gone into uh, the, card, the traditional card fresheners as well. So how we were doing it before is in the diffusers we use pure fragrance oil, 100% fragrance oil. However, in a spray you can't spray 100% oil, yep. so we've had you had to then get a base, an alcohol perfume base, and mix it together and figure out the right ratios. To, to understand how long that fragrance would last once it's sprayed essentially and, and it's in the air. So it, there was, there's was there been a lot of product testing to be fair and even aerosols even worse than nightmare because you can have um, you know your pure fragrance oil in a raw substance and as soon as you you know you mix it with the gas for it to become an, you know, an aerosol it smells completely different. Nothing like what it was before. Really? So it's really hard getting the chemical balance and getting, getting everything right and making sure we're compliant as well because you know, things that are sprayed off often inhale, so we have to make sure that you know, the right balance of um, you know fragrance oil and, and the chemicals yeah. that go in there. Well, I was going to say because like you're kind of getting into that like where you you're having to test and then you're having to make sure that you're like you say compliant as well. Like there's a it, a lot of people will have just on the face of it thought you know car freshener or fragrance or whatever. You're not really considered all of the impact of behind the scenes, all of that sort of product development that you've had to do to, to get yeah, them massive, Yeah, it's massive, especially with like warning labels and and, uh, and yeah, making sure health and safety is obviously at the forefront. But I mean, it's even worse, so I'm not sure if you, you're aware, Pete, but we, we've gone, we're going into home cologne. So home nice. home fragrancing products, candles and rediffusers, and that was a nightmare. That was, <laughs> I couldn't believe, because you see so many people, like, obviously I spend a lot of time on social media and Instagram and Facebook, so I see a lot of people and for my own research as well, I joined a lot of these home fragrancing groups and, and you know, you got people that do it as a hobby from home, creating wax melts and rediffusers and yeah. of, of, you know, like fairy liquid scent and, and random food flavouring scents and all sorts. So, um, you know, you see these people doing it and doing it and think, wow, like, people are doing it from home. Mm -hmm. It must be, it must be a doddle, like, it's absolutely fine, we can do that, I can, just, you know, source a nice packaging and we've got good relationship with good manufacturers across the world and um, it shouldn't be an issue we'll get this launched quick and I'll, yeah. I'll penetrate the market and we'll, we'll launch it to our um, customer base that we've already got mm -hmm. oh, boy was I wrong it, it's absolutely <laughs> an absolute nightmare so we, yeah. we to make it um, easy for us because we're a family run business yeah. um, so it's me uh, and my brothers who run the day to day operations we've got a few consultants and stuff as well but um it would have been too much for us to essentially mix down the waxes um, and, and uh, blend them with the fragrance oils for the candles and, and the same for the rediffusers. So we, we sourced a local company, when I say local, a UK company mm -hmm. who could do it for us. Yeah. And we just provide them with our fragrance oils to make sure they're up to our kind of standards. And then they would do all the testing and then um, the compliance element to it. Oh, awesome. So we did a lot of burn tests. 
a lot of yeah. scent throwing tests where they send us samples. We, you know, we, we provide feedback and go back. Now, every time we, we had to adjust the fragrance, the compliance side has to be adjusted as well. So I had to do a new test, a new warning label. Wow. Every time we adjust, adjusted the formula, whether it's by 1% or 2% or 5%, you had to adjust everything you're testing and that. print the new warning label. And it was, it's been like a year long process, just backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, but we, we had to make sure it's right. And, it's, yeah. and every time you had to do a test, it was more cost as well. So Definitely. It, was, um, it was a nightmare. It's been a learning curve though, I guess it's part of the, pro yeah. you know, part of the process, isn't it? We've done it once now and we know for that. future reference, yeah. So. There's, there's so many learnings for people listening to take out of that. One is like, you always think when you have like a good idea and it is a good idea, right? You have a good idea and you think you're gonna launch something. It always takes longer, costs more, takes more time, takes more effort than you just expect for it to happen. 100%, you know? and, 100%. And I, I can 100% uh, rely on that. And then the other one is like, I just think from a brand point of view, like I'm dead chuffed, like it's so clear that you do everything by the book, everything spot on, you're, you know, you're making sure that the compliance is right, little tweaks, that labeling's right and stuff like that. I think, you know, that's, that's, that's amazing stuff, mate, to be fair, proper, proper spot on. With um, just a quick one before we move on to like your second yeah. value, I just had a quick question, like, so like what's your customer base look like? Is it okay, are you like happy to talk about that? Like, yeah, what, like who's, buying, who's buying your gear? So a lot of people ask me this and a lot of people assume that it's, people with supercars and, and, and millionaires and high net worth individuals, we do get a lot of them. But the majority of customers are, are normal, the average people like yourself and, and myself who have a nice car, take pride in their, in their car or, or passionate about cars mm -hmm. um, and, and want that added touch of luxury to their vehicle. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's, it's, um, it's hard to explain. So you get people who are um, I don't know. For example, you, you get you get the car fanatics, right? The the car guys who go to the car shows, mm -hmm. and then you get people in the middle who who just take pride and joy in joy in their car, and then you get the high net worth individual. And I'd say it spans more towards the car the car guys and the people who take pride and joy in their car, and then we have some people who are who, who you know are the high net worth individuals, but. Um, I think with, with the era that we're in of, of social media and you know following and hypes and, and things like that, well, I think we've done a good job of creating a, a hype on social media, if you know what I mean, like yeah, drawing right. a lot of attention, using a lot of influences, and people um, buy into it. Yeah. As, 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 you know, morally, that might not sit right with some people about influencers pushing certain products, but you know, we, we don't use just any influencer or any person and just throw money at them um, we genuinely believe that we're providing a superior product, and we've we've used you know influencers and celebrities and and people in the car scene especially um, to push products out, and and people want a piece of the pie. Yeah. So people see it and think, oh, what's that about? I think uh, I, th I think I think it's a perfectly legitimate marketing skill and tactic right now. With with everything that's available to you as a business owner, I think carefully selected and nurtured relationships with the right people to be able to help market your product is an absolute no-brainer. You know, I think that's that's what you've got to do to get ahead. You know, there's no, there's definitely like nothing nothing to be ashamed of at all with that. Yeah. Like I, you know, one of the things that I do, and I, I know it's very different in the in the world that I operate in, but in 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 transport, for example, everything's about relationships. It's always about relationships all the time. And um, what I found is that with it's kind of like the momentum has just started to flick in that when, when you do a good job for people, they're happy to then recommend you and it's then word of mouth. And uh, it's kind of in the same way as uh, what, what, what you're saying is that I've used like testimonials, I've used, you know, going, do you know this person? Because I'd really like to speak to them. Would you be happy to introduce mm -hmm. me? And, and, and just sort of working in that way. I think it's very much the same thing, you know? It's all about who you know these days, it's not what you know. So Definitely. Um, yeah, you, know, you have to do what you have to do to, to get your product out there, you get your business out there. And, you know, there, there is no shame in, in, in social media marketing and influencer marketing, but there is a large stigma of all, you know, around influencers pushing products that they don't yeah. actually use, for example. Yeah. Like, you get these weight loss definitely kind of stuff for and, example but and people people are getting funny with like, like whilst we're on it i guess people are getting funny i got i, I i'm smiling because i got a funny <laughs> message this morning i've got an ad out at the minute um on my personal facebook page 
and uh, it's a it's a post. Uh, it, it talks about like sort of what I'm offering, which is one of the things that I do is I work particularly with like young managers in the sector that I'm in and I help like mentor and train them like one-to-one -one as mm -hmm. well. And I'm doing it with a couple of our customers at the minute. And I've got an ad out at the minute, like asking that question. And someone, someone's commented on there. Um, I don't have a Facebook profile to have free advertising. You now owe me 5,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I literally like, I literally like ha ha it and put stick your, stick your bank account details down and I'll send it straight over pal. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny. Social media is a funny old place, especially on, on um, adverts that we, we obviously being an online business and e-commerce, you know, we, we invest heavily on social media marketing and some of the comments that we get on our posts are unbelievable. Honestly, yeah. like, obviously the you know those that know me locally or you know you obviously know me yeah. locally and, and we've got cars that are branded up and, yeah. and so people see the car parked outside the house and they will know where the address is obviously putting two and two together and I had someone commented um, on one of my paid sponsored posts saying oh do you mind if I knock your door and collect the products wow. like I'm sat at home pa packaging parcels <laughs> filling up diffusers from home and I just had to delete the comment I said like, Jesus Christ people are just advertising my home address for free on the net so um, it's crazy it's a funny old world to be fair yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what goes through people's minds but... yeah definitely it's, it's a hard balance to find as well though isn't it because and, and this is funny I know we're sort of going off piste a little bit but this is the best bit right I, uh, I got in lockdown I was proper panicking because we just had to close the doors on training, which was a big part of our income and that sort of thing. And uh, I had an absolute result. So we've got stickered up cars and people have their things about having stick up, stickered up cars and, or not. But um, I had a guy that I semi knew from Ikea um, and they needed forklift training and we can help with forklift training. So, uh, and the thing that triggered him to give me the call was that our stickered up car drove past him like on our street yeah, yeah. and he like rung me up off the back of it so it's kind of like people will shy away from this stuff but do you know what like that that business for three months of the first lockdown that saw me through you know that that's yeah. like kept the doors open you know it's like massive that's just amazing, off the back yeah. of having stickers you know so it is hard though isn't it because it's then outside your house and it's like yeah. you know but, it's yeah, tricky not only not only that obviously it's very very hard to manage uh, not manage sorry uh, it's very hard to measure offline forms of marketing. Yes. Obviously, you you saw the billboard that we've got recently. In I C saw, C yeah. Centre, yeah. So I was very hesitant to do that because I thought there's no way I've got there's no way of measuring my my ROI, my return on investment on this. Whereas mm -hmm. Facebook ads, you know, Instagram, you you Google, you get you get the analytics and you can see yep. what exactly what's what's coming back in. Yep. Um, whereas a billboard is not going to talk to you. There's no metrics coming out there of how many people see it. Like, yeah, the company who provides the bill, billboard and the service can tell you how many people are going past roughly, but you don't know how many people are actively purchasing as a result of the billboard. And yeah. the same with branding up a car, isn't it? But sometimes it's not just about the ROI, it's about the brand awareness in itself. Yes. So people have seen the billboard now and I've had other emails coming from other companies. You know, uh, for example, I got a message today actually from, from a guy who's a, a racing driver. Nice. And he lives in Peterborough and said, look, you know, if, you, if you're interested, we can do some sponsorship opportunities. And so it can always lead to, to other things rather than just monetary value. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing, isn't it? I think, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I, one of the things that I really struggled with in, in our business, so slightly differently to yours where you're a product online e-commerce, yeah. we're an in-person service-based sort of business. And I think I wanted to be able to go the route that you went. So I because like being a bit younger in an industry which is historically more mature and older i felt that i'd be able to like outwit my competitors because i'd be able to use online forms of marketing mm -hmm. but the challenge that i've got is my customers aren't there yet that's right and you kind of got to go where your customers are yeah, so i've kind of had to focus on that but one of the things that so you you actually inspired me and i'm talking to them at the moment uh, i hope nobody steals it actually the <laughs> idea. but there's there's a roundabout for advertising literally at the bottom of our street and, and it's quite because we're transport related it's heavy like lots of hgvs around there and lots of like local managers and owners of those businesses so i'm going to give a pun on roundabout marketing and just yeah. see see yeah, what happens I, yeah, I, I yeah just see what happens I, I saw one yesterday as well i thought yeah. it would be good yeah it might, might be worth giving it a play. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah so you, you don't know you you, you just don't know do you? right so let's move on to the second one right so balancing and actually this kind of ties in nicely to us marketing right but uh yeah balance working hard and working smart talk to me about that 
Yeah, so with that one, I, I recently as well, spending a lot of time on social media, and I do like to try and learn and absorb off, off people off the net. You do pick up some nice gems. Um, and I always see people making the argument about working hard or working smart, which one should you do? Or, mm -hmm. you know, you see people get up at five in the morning, go to the gym, you know, have their breakfast, do a class of yoga, walk their dog, and then they get into work. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not me, I can't do that. And that's, and I'll, I'll admit that. Fair play. It's, it's, you have to find the balance of what's right for you and what works for you. And with me, um, some days I'll be in the office, I'll be in the unit till nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, sometimes even later, you have to do what you have to do. You have to learn and adapt and work what's best for, for one, your mental wealth, well-being, and two, what's best for your business. So, um, I mean, my brothers run the day-to-day -day operations, so they're from, they're from, they're, there from kind of 9 a.m. to to 7 7 p.m. 8 p.m. sometimes sometimes I'll get there later sometimes I get there before them I'll dig in and, and, and chip in and, and give them a hand sometimes or I'll be out on the road picking up supplies or or you know being doing a bit of business development or coming in to uh, record a podcast exactly. like today in the middle of the day <laughs> um, so I think striking that balance between working hard and working smart is very important and it's also very important for other people out there who are listening to do what's right for them. Don't look at someone and think they're only killing it because they're waking up at five in the morning. No, that's, it's not true at all. Yes. They're, they're, they're doing that because it's, it works for them. Mm -hmm. But there, there's plenty of other successful people out there that, that work nine to five or start later in the day or, or you know, I can work work according to what, what's right for them. So Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, mate, to be fair. I couldn't agree more. And I, I've kind of, you know, uh, we were talking earlier, like, because um, your outlook's so mature um, and, and obviously so well-developed. I'm, I'm actually a little bit older than you, but, and I really? should therefore, yeah, I should, <laughs> then know, I should then know better, but actually I've fallen into the trap. I've fallen into the trap. So, it's you know, and I'm, 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 happy to, I'm happy to admit it, you know. So I, I am an early bird. So the problem I've got is I am happy getting up early, but the issue is, is I don't know when to stop. And I should stop, so it's okay starting early. But then you, you know, you can only work for so long. And you know what I've found is that I've really, I, I get to a point where I like struggle for motivation. I, um, you know, I, I'm not working as well as I could be because the thing is, is you've only got so much capacity for work anyway. You could spread that over 13, 14, 15 hours if you want to. But ultimately, if you work hard and smart for a short period of time, you'll achieve just as much. And I think I've learned that. And I'm, I'm like busy, like unprogramming that stuff because. Because you do see it, it's, you know, you've got Grant Cardone, you've got all of those influencers and people on like the 5am club and you've got a That's hustle right. and grind and right. all of that sort of stuff. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm really hard, I find it really hard to like let go. It's really cool how you say like your brothers look after this and then you go and look after like your thing and business development or, or what have you. And I've, I've brought people into the team, but I still kind of like... I, I only let so much go, but you've just got to let, you have let to. stuff go. You, you have yeah, to, you otherwise really, you just end up overflowing, right? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was really hard for me to to completely trust someone or because or, obviously it's, it's me and my brothers who run the, the unit in Peterborough and the day-to-day -day operations, but we've got consultants as well yeah. um, who deal with certain elements of marketing. I've got an SEO company that deal with SEO. I've got an email marketing guy who does all our email automations uh, uh, and campaigns. So... Sometimes I'm so busy with day-to-day -day operations that they'll message me. And for example, you know, Justin, my my email marketing guy, will like, right, what what kind of topic do you want to ditch on this week in, in the newsletter? And I'll be like, Justin, you know what? It's down to you, mate. Whatever you think, or whatever whatever we haven't touched about in a while, anything that's relevant in the news or the media, pick up on it, tie it into our our business, and, and do what you need to do. And sometimes they're the best emails that bring in the most revenue because I've just left him to it rather than me telling him. Right, we want to touch on this product, or we want to we need to focus on this area. It Amazing. just works out for the best. So you've got to put yeah. your trust in people, um, and, and just touching back on, on on working hard and working smart. I think it's really really important to switch off. Hmm. You have to just switch off and detach from your business. Otherwise, your mind will just explode. It literally yeah. will. Um, and some you know I had to learn the hard, hard way. Like I'm 29 years old, looking at me like obviously the, the viewers can't see this and listeners can't see it but I'm, I'm a slim guy yep. I'm not really overweight you wouldn't say I'm no, overweight 100%. but I've got high blood pressure because yeah. I'm, I can't like, I've struggled to switch off yep. and I think you have to get to a point in life where you think 
you know what, it's not all about the rat race, it's not all about making money, you have to enjoy the fruits of your labour as well and learn how to switch off and detach. And the problem I have personally with an online business is that we don't have a door that we yeah. can close, we don't have a shutter, we can't switch off and social media is relentless. Yeah. DMs yeah. come in 24 hours a day, seven days a week and my phone just does not stop. But um, I've got starting to get into habit now of just just not looking at my phone after a certain amount of time in the night before I was really bad with it so like 12 a.m. 1, 1 a.m. in the morning I'll be replying to yeah. people's queries because I was so hungry at the time thinking if I don't reply to the DM by the morning they could have gone to a competitor yeah business gone yeah. business is gone um, but then you know now as I've got mature and, 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 and learned in business I realized you know what your mental well-being and your health is more important than anything else definitely um, and if you haven't got that then then you know what's the point of definitely I think I think you're absolutely right I think um you know, I've I've learned that as well. Been so having been so close to burnout and just sort of trying to pull myself back. I think um, mental well-being is everything. I think I'm learning more like clarity of thought then creates clarity of action, and then 100%. that that then creates quality of action as that's well. Right, yeah. And um, I think you know that's that's just so vital when you're when you're running the business. I uh, a real game changer for me. Someone just said to me, he goes, "Do you know the best entrepreneurs are lazy?" I was like, what do you mean? He was like, obviously not proper lazy, but like smart lazy. Yeah. And it's like, do you know what? That's kind of true because it's about going, actually, I can automate that or I can systemize that or someone else can do that or that person can do that. Mm -hmm. And it's about being able to allocate all of that activity. That's right. To, to the key. energy to do it. Yeah. yeah. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. At Flagship Partners, we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership. We help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if your fours are credited or you want so, to improve your operating uh, the third compliance risk around score, give Flagship Partners a call today. That's right. So with this one, you have to... There's lots of, lots of sayings that you if you if you dream it you achieve it and if you believe it you'll, you'll achieve it and, it, and it's true mm -hmm. you know what you manifest in your in your in your thoughts in your mind is ultimately you know what you're gonna what you're going to achieve in life and um, you have to have the the aggressiveness uh, and, the, and the willingness to, to outwork everyone I know it's contradicting based on our last point about yep. working hard and working smart but at the same time you have sometimes you have to just dig deep mm -hmm. um, and, and be willing to improve even if it's one percent every day you just have to do it you have to be relentless with it you have to believe that okay i'm only improving one percent a day but that's 365 percent over the year and, three, and 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 as a business owner you know 365 percent growth is massive yes in, in one year in terms of business growth um so you know when the mind one mind believes the body achieves and you have really have to truly believe in yourself first and foremost um, and, and make sure you know exactly what you want and where you're going yeah, um, I, I, to, I, to grow your business or, or to succeed in business. I think, I think that's so true because it's kind of, when you, when you set out and you start the business, you kind of take something that's intangible, it's just an idea, and you make it tangible. The only way that you can turn something from nothing into something is that you've got the belief that it can happen, right? And um, I think, you know, like you say, self-belief is so true because that... that that's how you make the the the, the bigger moves we, we were talking before we started recording we were talking about that sometimes you have to make some scary decisions right, right. it's like maybe when you like stretch yourself and overstretch yourself and it's kind of i think the self-belief kind of comes in where you kind of have your comfort zone and then actually the growth happens like at the borders of it right yeah that's and, right or just outside it yeah, yeah it does i mean Anyone who, who's in business um, will relate to this, but when you really start scaling your business, start growing, it gets really rocky and really scary. Mm -hmm. And that's when you really have to basically grow some grow some cojones and, <laughs> and just do what you need to do, basically, and make sure that, uh, you know, you believe in yourself and that, it's, that it will work out in the end. Yeah. Um, and even when, when I... I, the thing is, I had this talk with myself when I was leaving my job after a year running the business from home, thinking, right, shall I do this, shall I not do this, shall I do this? But it was, the advice I used to give to the, the other, my, you know, my friends or peers who, who own business or, or uh, have their own businesses was like, leave the job, 
follow your dreams, etc. But when it comes to yourself, it's so much harder to follow your own advice, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So when I when I first left my job, you know, I had to really convince myself to leave, um, and then we went into the the unit, and and then you know we got the next door unit, and then even then the growth came kind of quite fast in like the space of like 12, 12 to, to 18 months. So going into the warehouse, um, I was I was having that talk again with myself. Should I do this? Like, will I be able to fill a two and a half thousand square foot warehouse? Because the room that we were in before was probably about the same size as this, what we're in now. Yep. So this is like a large, I don't know, like a boardroom size yeah, yeah, room, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. So we were in one of these yeah. when I moved up the home, and then we got the next door one, which is a very similar size. That was for storage, and the one that we're in now was was um, for office slash packing yeah. room. So going to the warehouse, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, yeah. am I doing the right thing? But I mean, we've been there since April, May, June, just before May, I think May, June, yeah. yeah. Um, Come into three months basically, and um, we're like at eighty percent capacity of the warehouse. We've already filled it, and business, business has grown because yeah, I because yeah. I knew obviously we, we've got slightly larger overheads, and obviously we had the space to start scaling. So um, yeah, you know, we. Were I, I think it's amazing, mate. I think when when you look at it as a business owner, right? You you look at stuff and like like the thing is, you'd have taken that unit and you go and look at it and you go. That's a fucking lot of twenty pound car colognes. Yeah, that's a fucking lot no, of them. That, that's exactly out, it. Right? That's exactly and I've got it. to pay me, and I've got to pay my brothers. Yeah. And do you know what? I've got to make something at the end of it, and that's that's a lot every month to find. And I find that every time I I level up, like I look at the salary of the guy I've just taken on, and I think month in and month out, I've got to pay, pay that. Him, yeah, and the money's got, got, I've got to find that. To pay exactly, yeah, and yeah, I've 100%. got. To, and the thing is, is you can't take that person or you can't take that business if you haven't got that space or you need like this resource. You need to like over resource to then come back. And um, one of the things, one of the things, great bit of advice actually, Neville Wright, if you've come across Neville Wright from Peterborough, yeah. um, that he said to me that will always, and it will always stay with me as he goes, Pete, if you wait all day for all the lights to turn green, you'll never get to fucking town. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's so true, yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? It's like, true. That's so powerful yeah. from him. And like the other thing he said to me, and there was a few things he said that was so, uh, sort of resounded so much. The other one was he goes, security, he says, is just a figment of our imagination. You're either secure or you're not. You could have all the money in the world that's and right. not be secure. That's right. So yeah. you've just got to be secure in your own ability to overcome whatever is going right. to happen. Um, and, and what I find that's so interesting and just sort of touching on self-belief or that I've found is that every time I've like perceived to have leveled up or, or like just gone like you know overstretched my comfort zone or what have you the resource I need has just shown up it's kind of like it's kind of like it's just happened you've put that bit of faith in and it's just like arrived and you're like yeah, I work for this. this is, yeah, this is this is good. Um, and uh, you've got to take the punt. You've got to take the leap. Yeah. Whether you're starting a business or whether you're looking to expand, mm. the worst case scenario is you've learned from your mistake. Yeah, exactly. In the worst case scenario, and you can do it again and learn, yeah. and 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 try again. And I think it's funny, isn't it? Because like, and one of the things I found is like I've heard before I started, I heard people, I've heard people like who speak like this, but until you like feel that pain or you feel that bit of fear or what have you and then you've lived it it really it becomes so meaningful doesn't it and it's kind of like you kind of experience it just on another level I guess yeah it's, it's a it's an addicting buzz to be fair yeah. it, is, it is a bit of a thrill yeah definitely um, definitely it's part of the parcel okay cool so um, right so the fourth area we're going to move on to is outwork and outlearn um, which I think is do you know what like I, I totally I totally resonate with that tell me a bit more about what you're thinking with this so with this one, you, like for example, I, my background was compliance. Mm -hmm. I had no idea about marketing, no idea about social media marketing, uh, in terms of like running businesses on social media, e-commerce, no idea, um, you know, about buying products from abroad and, and your, and your EORI numbers and your, you know, anything to do with basically e-commerce, importing, marketing, I had no idea. Um, the closest bit of experience I had was being on social media myself like 99% of the population is. Mm. So, you know, you have to quickly learn and adapt uh, and be willing to, to outlearn people in a, a new environment, especially 
um, those who are your you know your competitors um, or, or you know um, people who or other companies who, who are selling similar products to you for example or being in a particular industry like e-commerce um, you know I I just I, I just had to dig deep basically and, and make sure that I, I learned new skills and, and kind of almost not forgot about what I've learned in my working career but um, essentially just teach myself um, as much as I can and absorb as much as I can from the resources that are out there on YouTube and and podcasts and, and on social media and just pick up as many you know marketing strategies as I could really and that. And, that, and and you know some people say I was too late to go into education some people say oh you shouldn't go into education there's no point going to uni these days and I see that and I think how can you say that like, how can you say that like personally I I went to uni I have a degree in economics um, when people say to me oh you know should I go to uni or should I not have gone to uni I, a lot of people out there are saying, no, oh, you don't need to go to university to be successful, which is 100% true, without a shadow of a doubt. There are plenty of successful people out there who did not go to uni. I don't agree with that uh, whatsoever. Mm -hmm. However, you can pick up certain life skills by going to uni. Mm -hmm. Being independent, like as a guy, for me, I have no sisters in my house. It, we, you know, it's all brothers. And um, I wouldn't say we were Molly cuddled by my mum, but yeah. she was there, she took care of us. She was like our sister, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So me going out to uni was a kind of first first time, like, you know, we had any independent lifestyle. So, you know, you, you learn how to, you know, to fend for yourself and your time management and, and organisation. And obviously the degree itself helps. And, you know, you're working with your, your colleagues and your peers and your presentations and, like, you might not learn these kind of things when you're working, especially when you're 16, 17, you're going to go into an apprenticeship or a basic job. Um, if you're lucky, you know, you, you get something with a bit of responsibility, but nine times out of 10, you're not going to have these kind of responsibilities. So when I went to uni, you know, you know I picked up certain skills that I think still help me today. Mm -hmm. You know, confidence about going out there and speaking to people and meeting strangers and, and new faces. Um, so that... Um, tying into to you know my professional working career you know has helped me um, in business because I've learned certain skills and combined them together you know from from being at uni and then working in a professional environment timekeeping and, and management I manage teams and, and um, you know held managerial position so that now has helped me develop my own business and grow my own business because I know you know, it's hard working with family, but when you're managing people, especially who are, you know, related to my brothers, yeah. you know how to talk to them in, in a certain way because you've dealt with it in the past. So, go tying it into, to, you know, outwork and outlearning. You just have to make the most of your, your environment, and regardless of what industry you're going into. You just have to do what you have to do yeah. to, you know, make sure that your, your business and your business operation as well is on the forefront of, of your industry. Yeah, I think... You've, you've hit the nail on the head with that. It, it reminds me, actually, we, before we started recording, we were talking about Stephen Bartlett, just, yeah. just quickly. Stephen Bartlett has um, just become the youngest dragon. He's a cool guy. I, I, I really, really respect and admire what he's done. Young lad, too. Um, and I've recently read his book, Happy Sexy Millionaire. And uh, one of the things he talks about is skill stacking, Okay, which is very similar to what you're saying there. And that is that... So what, what he's saying is that if you go into a sector and you've got a unique skill stack, you don't have to be the top 5% at that particular skill, but by the time you've gone, right, I'm 80% good at managing people, I'm 80% good at social media marketing, I'm 80% good at the chemistry involved in making colognes, I'm 80% good at making sure my branding's right, I'm 80% good at that, all of a sudden those five, six major skill stacks that stack up to be the skills that you need to succeed in your business you're in the top two percent that's right it's a winning formula because it? It, you, you hit that you hit those skill stacks that's right. and, and i think that's one of the things that you know i don't it's, it's difficult uh to sort of say the right thing but when i look at what we're doing with flagship in comparison to some of our competitors i feel like we're we're approaching it at such a different way to how our competitors approach it um, based on the skill stack that we have in the business, mm -hmm. uh, I think that gives us a competitive advantage. Nice. Yeah. You have you know. 
the, the other benefit of obviously skill stacking, what, what Stephen Bartlett touches on, is that the bottom line is you don't get your pants pulled down when you need to hire someone or recruit someone or, or you know, we, we have consultants that work on certain elements of our business and, you know, if, if they if they telling or sending me an invoice saying, oh, this, this amount of work took X amount of time and I can push back and say, well, no, hold on, mate. I, I know what, I have some understanding of this here and, you know, it's not like I'm blind to it and, I, you know, what's going on in a business, you have to be shrewd to an, to an extent where yeah. you can't have your your pants literally pull down yeah, yeah. every time you know you you outsource a piece of work or you're you're you know you, you want to acquire a skill set that you don't have because you know what 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 it entails and you know what's what the work that goes on behind it so it's always good to have a good understanding of every element of your business whether it's you know seo or your or your all your social media marketing <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right yeah. yeah yeah no exactly that's i right, think yeah. um i think the, the thing is is like when I when I look at it, and when particularly like you say, when you're getting your pants pulled down, because it's so easy for people to take, pull your pants down, and you look at stuff and you think, do you know what? Like, I don't know what your margins are, right? But say you're selling something that's twenty quid, and a lot of companies only work on single figure net profit margins, right? Yeah. So therefore, like, if if that's the case, somewhere between maybe one one and two pound, like if you're lucky, right? Potentially on 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 one of your products, if someone's going to overcharge you by I don't know, say like 500 quid, all of a sudden you've got to sell a thousand units to make that to back. Make that back. Yeah, 100%. But it's painful. It's painful yeah. when you times it out. And I think that's what a lot of people underestimate when you're working and you're looking at profit margin and you're looking at when people are overcharging you for things. You know, and they say, oh, you know, that, that entrepreneur or that businessman, he's, he's really tight. It's like, not necessarily that they're tight. I'm happy to pay for value. I'm happy to pay for superior products, like yeah. you say. But um, you can't. You gotta have the understanding, haven't you? I guess you really do. Sure, and, yeah. and the thing is, many people don't have that understanding that the net profit is a, is is a, is the bottom line. So although you might be selling things for twenty pound, thirty pound, forty pound, and after your net, you know, you're not, you know, your VAT and and whatnot, so you're not left with with you know huge numbers. And this is a conversation that I have with a lot of influencers, to be fair, because mm-hmm. we work massively with influencers and, and YouTubers and. Um, you know the, the fees are getting ridiculous now, um, in terms of you know what what they're charging for posts and, and stories yeah. and, and branding, branding deals. Um, and when I break it down, you know, to their management and say, look, this is our net mar- net margin. This is how many products we need to sell. Are you t- are you telling me that if this influencer on your client roster posts, we will make that much money back? Uh, yeah, it's not always about. Yeah. making the money back sometimes about brand awareness yeah. at the same time we're a business we have to be profitable yeah. and make moves that are profitable so yeah. um, definitely otherwise there's no business to pay them moving forward either, exactly yeah? and the thing is is and, and, and I love what you're saying because it's so true because people go like for me with service with what we do oh why don't you put on a free training for that why don't you put on a free training for brand awareness and I'm like if I do too much brand awareness I have no business there you go there you go. It's the balance, isn't it? 100%. It's the balance. Because the, the brand awareness, right, that's fine. That's the investment in future earnings. That's right. No problem, yeah? I'm happy to do that, but you, I, I can't do brand awareness every time I do a marketing campaign because all of a sudden it's just going to disappear. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, nice, nice. I love it. Um, okay, so the fifth area about having a great team. God, this is your opportunity to big up your brothers. Yeah, shout out to my brothers, Heather and Herrera. Um, <laughs> You know, they, 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 they hold it down at the unit. It does get mud in there sometimes, you know, especially over the weekends. We don't dispatch orders on the weekends, so Saturday and Sunday, um, we don't dispatch. So by the time we come into Monday, we've got Friday evenings, Saturday and Sunday's um, uh, orders to dispatch on Monday. So it does get crazy. And we are looking to hopefully, ex- you know, expand the team soon as well so to help them out because so they deal with the day-to-day operations. So they'll they'll essentially pack and process the orders, they deal with customer service, um, and they also um, keep an eye, eye on the stock levels, basically, and, and, and reorder, reorder you know, packaging material and, and raw materials and whatever that we need to keep the, the operation afloat. So um, I kind of leave them to it, to be fair. They, you know, they, they've got their own set of keys to the unit, they go there, they turn up, you know, they, they, they do their own thing, and I don't I try, it's hard finding the balance between a bigger brother uh, and a manager, but I don't like to see myself as a manager. Like, I, I, whenever I talk to anyone or, or or discuss the business, I say we're partners because essentially we are partners. Although you know it was my business, I started it. Um, 
you know, they're stuck by me and, and they can easily get good job. They, they actually were contractors like I was in compliance. So they could easily go out there and get, job, get good, good jobs on, on good salaries. Um, but they worked for me. Um, and what I've done in, in exchange for that basically is offered them, um, I've given them shares in, in the, the home cologne business that we're launching. So, um, yeah, it's very important that, you know, you have that trust element there with your staff, regardless of whether it's your family or not. Um, and, and just making sure that everyone's on the same level, everyone's on the same page. Even the consultants that we got, they're all hunger, hungry for the success of the business because essentially, if we grow, they grow. Yeah. They get more work, you know. And not just that, you know, when people see us growing, and I've done this loads of times for many people, people have seen our growth and be like, "Oh, who do you use for SEO? Who do you use for email marketing?" Because, you know, as an online business owner, I mean, it's all about. You know your connections and who, and, and who you know and, and learning from other people so I'm in a group um, a few groups actually of business owners and e-commerce online so I'm always you know happy to refer people and, and, and you yeah. know get the get the word out there for for, yeah. for, for our consultants and our agencies that we use so having a, a solid team is definitely definitely very very important for the growth uh, of your business and sometimes you know it doesn't work out with 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 everyone that you have on and and you have to you know, learn that some people are are only on your ship um, to sink it, uh, and and it's part of um, part of learning uh, and running your own business. I guess you have to learn to let the right people go and keep the right people on and cherish the people that you've got there. So, yeah, shout out to my brothers who who hold it down every day, and they do do get bollocked by me sometimes, but <laughs> it's just part. You know, when it, when I suppose. When it's family, you get away with saying a little bit more than, than what you could with, it, yeah, with, it, with yeah, its staff. Yeah, so we're at that level now where we do need extra staff in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. But if, with my brothers, is that I kind of let them c come and go as they please, basically. As long as they get the work done, that's all that, 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 that I'm bothered about. Um, as long as obviously communication's there with the customers and they're replying to the emails and, and getting the orders out, that's fine. Um, but if we get, and this has just been completely raw and completely truth, as soon as we get external staff, then they'll have to set a certain expectation and be in a particular time and, and make sure they set an example to excel stuff. Otherwise, the staff might think it's ex acceptable to to you know roll in at you know half ten or eleven o'clock like they do on, on on odd days. But yeah, it's, it's it's difficult. It's tricky. It's tricky finding the right balance. But it's just part of business again, isn't it? Yeah. It's part of growth, and you just, sometimes you just have to suck up and deal with it. I fully respect that. We um, we started out. It's me and my wife me and my wife, so family affair as well. And like, do you know what? I think um, it's good because to a certain extent you can have the true, raw, honest conversation with people in a way that you can't with employed staff. But also like when shit gets, kicks off, it can be like, it just goes naught to 60 twice as quick. Yeah. Like, and uh, it, can be, it can be really tricky. So on the one hand, it can be a real blessing. Um, and you know, people, people from the out, that will look in and go oh it's easy you can build a business cheap with family for example right yeah. but it's not it's not the case because it comes you, you still have to be fair with your with people around you like you're saying it's, you've mm -hmm. got to be fair with people um, and otherwise you know it's for what you know for what so and uh, you know it, it quickly can escalate with uh, with challenges and stuff okay cool I'm going to move on to six one because we're getting towards the hour mark and I'll yeah. try and keep it under the hour if no I can. Worries, so no um, the sixth area is making decisions that are good for business and not for your ego. Yeah. Mate, I love this. This is so powerful. Talk to me. And uh, to learn the hard way about, uh, about this one here. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, it, this point itself, I picked up from a guy called Reese Wabara, who I, who I look up to quite a lot. Um, he owns a company called Mane de Voir, a clothing company. Um, he's actually a year younger than me, so he's under, under 30. He was actually named Forbes 30 under 30, one of the, nice. one of the guys who was selected for that. Um, so he does post a lot of gems about business and, and mindset, and, and, and you know he's in e-commerce essentially, so he knows the game through and through. Uh, and he, he resonates this point about making moves, make business moves, not ego moves. So always make any decision that you make or, or majority of decisions that you make about in your business make them make sure that it's good for the business and not defeat your ego so um, like for example like I, I had um, uh, a competitor of mine um, who would copy all my content like infringing all my content um, whenever I release a product they would go release a, the same product a few months down the line um, and it just 
for a long time I couldn't find out who they were. The limited company was not anywhere on the, you know, no company information basically on their website, um, and no, um, uh, you know, contact proper way of contacting them or anything like that. Um, eventually, I found out who they were, and it turned out to be someone I know. Surprise, surprise! Like in business, it's always someone close to you ends up stabbing you in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. So I knew the person, I knew the people who were involved, um, and I knew where they were, where they're from, and everything. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going to get a billboard and put, slap my logo on it in the middle of the town centre of their, of their city where they live. Um, and that'll, that'll teach them, like, like, what's what kind of thing. And, I, um, and um, to be honest, you know, thinking about it now, it was, you know, it's a stupid move to make, wasn't it? It's a stupid, stupid amount of money to spend and put myself out of it eventually. But I thought, this is what I'm going to do to get them back for all the time that they copied me and, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, just, just, just making sure that you, you essentially do make decisions that are good for your business and, and ch channel that anger that you get um, and, and using it as, as fire to drive your business forward. So another example I can give you was I had an oil supplier when I first started out. Um, so he, he's, he was a supplier of like the raw perfume fragrance and aftershave mm -hmm. oil. Um, and I knew him personally. He was, he was um, from up north. Uh, in a city that I lived at, so so when I, I went to Uni Manchester essentially and, and lived there and then I moved to Leeds and lived around there for a little while and then moved back to Peterborough. So he was from Leeds and um, he was a young guy and he was selling the fragrance oil as a part-time business on the side and I thought, you know what, I'm doing this business on the side, I was working at a full-time job, I didn't really take it too serious, so instead of me approaching him and saying to him, give me your supplier, I said, look, you supply me. I'll make a bit of money, you can make a bit of money, we'll help each other out. And he's like, yeah, cool, that's fine. So he began supplying me with oil, and the business kind of started taking off quite fast um, at the beginning because it was a brand new concept, brand new niche, product didn't really exist. Um, so I was taking quite a lot of fragrance oil off this guy. Um, and I, I personally believe that it was more than the majority of his other sales com share, yeah. combined, basically. Mm -hmm. So... Out of the blue, he's messaged me and said, um, "Oh, do you have? Oh no, what's happened was we we ran out. We ran out of stock within like the first two three weeks. The initial batch of stock that I had, it, it's it's gone. It's sold out. So so I said to him, look, I'm going to have to hold off buying buying um, oil from you because we ran out of stock. Said, oh, that's fine. No worries. That's that's fine. I said that the main thing is the packaging. The packaging is is what makes our products like differentiate differentiate from any competitor. Anyone that was doing it at the time, it was it's a whole." The brand image, if you like, it was a nice slide-out box with a foam insert and you know the, a window in the front and foil stamped and the, Love it, yeah. yeah everything combined. So I said, look, I don't want to sell my products without the packaging. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put a waiting list on the website and you, you order and then we'll, when the, when the stock comes in, we'll send out. So one day he's messaged me saying, um, oh, do, do you know the dimensions of your packaging, right? So, so my initial assumption at the time was, oh, he, he's trying to find out. Yeah, he wants to sell more oil. He wants to so sell more oil, so he wants to help me get yeah. a supplier for packaging. Fair enough, right? Fair enough. So, so me being me at the time, you know, I, I thought, yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, um, th th this is it. Um, like, do you mind me asking, like, what what for exactly? Just so I thought, you know, I have, I have interest. Um, and he said, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start selling car diffusers. And uh, <laughs> at the time, <laughs> like, I think I was eating my dinner or whatever, and I, I just froze. And I was like, I replied, all I remember saying to him at the time was, are you taking the piss or are you, are you being serious? Because I can't, I can't tell right now. And he replied back saying, why would I be taking the piss? Like, as in like, the, he, he, he basically was under the assumption that he, you know, he wasn't doing anything wrong. And uh, we, had a, we had a bit of back and forward. And, you know, and, you know another thing I've, uh, um, I, I, I resonate with is that, you know, a saying that I've read online that, um, You'll go through life highly disappointed if you think people have the same heart as you. And I think it's very true. You have to be shrewd in business and not assume that everyone is kind of on the same wavelength as you. And you have to really protect yourself. And you know, that, that was really, really, a, you know, in the early stages of the business. And, um, you know, me personally, I won't do that. I won't supply someone and then suddenly become their competitor because, you know, essentially they could undercut me straight away almost. Yeah. Um, 
but the, I was so angry that night, so angry with that because he genuinely believed that he wasn't doing anything wrong and he was going to go ahead and do it regardless. So I was so angry with that. What I done was, I went on Instagram and that night to kind of propel my business, as I knew he was coming, because he had already, you know, foretold me that he he, he wants the packaging done. Which is a mistake, right? Yeah, right, exactly. So I thought, right, what do I need to do now to make sure that I get so far ahead that even when he's launched, he's not going to catch up. So what I did with that night, I DM'd about a hundred footballers on Instagram, and I said, "This is my product. This is what I do." Blah blah blah. And by the by the morning, I had like probably six or seven responses from footballers. A couple of them were Leeds United. The biggest one I got through to was Jesse Lingard from Manchester United. Amazing. So it wasn't actually him who I got to directly. I went through his Instagram feed and I realised, basically I saw some of his friends that he had tagged in his posts and they were like normal guys, so guys that he's grown up with in Manchester. Um, so I messaged one of his friends who had like a lower following, looked like a normal guy. His, his account was open and you could see pictures of him with, with Lingard and stuff. So I said to him, look, I will send you my products. I will pay you X amount. I want Jesse Lingard holding my products in his car or using my products in his car. And um, he replied back straight away. Boom. Boom. Jobs are Send the products out 24 hours after the pictures and they were on my website. And that catapulted me forward like six months, I'd say, in terms of business growth because it was massive at the time. And at the time, he was doing really well for in his career. He was playing for United and England at the same time. Um, so... Yeah, it worked out. It worked out in the end. You know, clean hearts always win. I always go off that. Yeah. Always go off that saying. You know, you you gotta always make business moves and not not ego moves. Don't Mate. get sucked into the rat race and and uh, and your own kind of egotistical mind. It's the nature of the beast. Humans, we, you know, naturally we're inclined to outshine someone or, or you know get 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 revenge on someone. But Definitely. I think in business you have to have thick skin. You have to realize that you can't always make business up, make you feel happy. Sometimes you've got to suck it up, deal with it, and just make sure you're driving the business forward. Focus on the business and, and not, you know, yourself. And, and I was saying to you before the podcast as well, that, it's, you know, this is my first podcast, like, first interview formally. And even the press that we got when we moved, I was kind of pressured by my friend, who, you know, who's in, who's a journal, to, to yeah. kind of do it, to get the brand of business out there, because, you know, I kind of like to be private, really. Yeah. I don't like people... You know, knowing my business and knowing what I do, just just how I am as a as a person. But you know, sometimes you have to do what you have to do to get your business and your brand out there. And, and amazing yeah. stuff, mate. I tell you what, I've broken. My, we're we're breaking rules today, anyway. So we've just clocked over the hour mark. Sorry, on mate. The, no, sorry, no, no, no. Sorry. Because it's all good, mate. It's all good value. And you know what? I'm going to share something because that's. I needed to hear what you were just saying because I've just got fucked over by <laughs> someone that I use as an associate. So when uh, when we have training that we can't complete, I have like four or five people that I use who are trusted, vetted, what have you, and they go and deliver stuff on our behalf, right? Because that's what you have to do when you grow. Yeah, Yeah, basically. That's what you have to do, and they kind of operate under our banner. Well, one of my guys, and like, loyalty is everything to me, and he, uh, yeah, he went rogue, and like, literally, I had the text conversation, literally, just the same as what you're talking about with your supplier. We had the text conversation, got a message, delivered some training for us, and uh, I'd done a good price on it. Like I, you know, I employ a team of people, so I had my salesperson. They closed the deal. My administrator, they administered like all the work, made sure all the paperwork was ready. They did, dealt with everything afterwards. That's me paying wages, and you know, the customer had come through relationships that I'd built over a period of time through networking with people who then had a relationship with them. I'd done a good price on the training because I knew there was downstream opportunity for further consultancy work. Mm-hmm. Uh, turned out my guy couldn't do it, normally the guy I employ. So um, yeah, I sent in one of my associates and I got a text message about five days later. Oh, by the way, uh, that customer I went to Saturday, I shan't say who they are because it gives it away, but uh, they've asked me to do some consultancy work for them. And I'm like, mate, you've got a non-compete and an NDA with me. Yeah. You're like going against the contract. And he was like, so? I was like, <laughs> literally like I can't say like I wanted to go and petrol bomb his house you know what I mean <laughs> and I had to stop myself uh, it was savage I just yeah but I, I, and in fairness I haven't really apart from just cutting it cutting him out yeah, I'm I haven't really I haven't really no I haven't really done anything because I don't know like I. it's time and effort time yeah and it's karma and it's karma it and I just think do you know what like I kind of have just, and, and this is the thing, I, I don't want other people to think that I'm a soft touch or something, but 
the, the value of the work and my time in going and chasing that down, they've already made that decision and that's fine. You know, so do you know what? Like, I'm just going to make space for bigger and better stuff, right? 100%. So. And, and karma is real for anyone listening out there. Mm. It, is it will 100%. come back and bite you in the ass. But at the same time, mm. if you're nice to people and help people out the goodness of your own heart, mm-hmm. you know, it'll come back and, and, and reward you in ways that you can't, you can't imagine. And that's one of my kind of business ethos, if you like. Like, I, you know, I'll help people without trying to gain from it. I always yeah. refer people on to other people and try and get people work. And guys that, you know, I use and pay are doing a good service. I'll recommend them to my friends who are, you know, business owners and help each other. That's what life's about these days, yeah, isn't exactly. it? No one, no one else is going to help you. So, you know, you try and help other totally people agree, and, and just, just not expect anything in return and hopefully yeah. everything works out. Totally agree, mate. Right, so just to top and tail it, Anik, could you just tell people who you are, what the company is, and how they can get in touch if they're interested in trying out some of your product? That's fine, mate. I'm Anik Zubair, owner and CEO of Car Cologne, the UK's leading luxury car freshener brand. If you want to reach out, um, we're, we're big on social media and Instagram at car.cologne, Facebook Car Cologne, um, and you can you can see our products on our website www.carcologne.co.uk. Thanks for having me, Pete. Appreciate it, Anik. It's been amazing. I really appreciate you coming on. So thank you very much and hope everyone's enjoyed it. Please do share it with your friends. Uh, Take care now. Cheers. Thank you. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.